The Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today. Welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. This is Paul Holmes sitting in for Arun Sudaman. Uh, we are broadcasting from Cannes and we are very fortunate to have with us today Jack Martin, the global chair and CEO of Hill and Alton Strategies. Um, Thank you. And we'll certainly find plenty to talk about um, when it comes to Hill and Alton Strategies, but. Uh, but the, it's been an eventful year for um, your parent company and some of your sister agencies in the PR business. So let's start there and let's start with events at WBP and the departure of Martin Sorrell. And uh, tell me sort of, you know, how, how much of a shock was that? How much of an impact has it had throughout the organization? And what does it mean for Hill and Alton, if anything? Well, it, it was a shock. Um, and um, Martin and I have worked together for 12 years now since he first bought my company, Public Strategies, and then I subsequently came to Hill & Knowlton. So um, we had a great relationship. I have enormous respect for him, and I'm very indebted to him for the opportunities he gave me. So with that background, I, I was shocked. I uh, was sorry to see those events unfold the way they did. Um, but uh, WPP is a great company, and Martin's uh, still a stockholder in it. And it uh, I think in great companies you see transitions from generations of leadership, and I think we're about to see the next generation at WPP. Uh, WPP has 200,000 or so employees, and there's some incredible talent all through that organization. There's some incredible leadership all through that organization. And I think one thing that speaks to that point is that during this interim period, uh, Mark Reed and Andrew Scott, in my opinion, have done an excellent job. They've reached out to the individual CEOs. Uh, they've they've uh, communicated uh, to all the employees in a thoughtful and productive way about how we're going to move forward. So. As, as much of a, of a turmoil as that initially caused, I'm really proud of the way the organizations moved forward, and I'm really proud of them for the leadership they've shown, along with Roberto Corta, who uh, took over, as you know, as the executive chairman. What, what's your feeling about the impact on the PR sector? Because obviously, you know, Martin's departure triggered a number of articles from people who were... Um, not always huge fans of right. um, his support of the PR business, um, despite the fact that he bought three, you know, of the largest PR firms in the world. Um, and then since the departure, there's been some speculation that uh, that there may be some WPP assets that end up on the chopping block because of this, including some of the PR agencies. Do you have a sense of my my this my own opinion, and this is just my own instinct, is that that's probably not going to happen. I think the PR firms at WPP are an integral part of the company. I think we share uh, client responsibilities in a number of cases like Ford and Intel and Shell. 
So I, I think that they're valued assets. And I think that the, the illusion, that the discussion I've seen about uh, selling assets, I think somebody, I forgot who it was at WPP, clarified uh, what they meant by that. And I think what I saw was they were talking about minority stakes. Uh, now, you know, we'll have a CEO, I hope soon, and we've got a board that's uh, 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 very aggressive in terms of uh, their own uh, uh, print on the agency, so I think um, more will be revealed, but I don't anticipate that. Um, if they ever decided to sell Hill and Knowlton, I'd be the first guy lined up at the front door trying to buy them. That's how strongly I feel about how good Hill and Knowlton is. Well, you know I'd love to see that because I've been a, I, I've been a huge proponent of management teams taking, yeah. taking firms back from holding companies. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but let me be clear, I have no indication that they're doing that, but I'm just saying if that ever did happen, I know we're in place they could find a buyer and that'd be me I, I, because I, I just deeply believe in uh, the company, it's my team, our employees, and I, I, I just, I think it's got a great future ahead of it. Okay. Well, I mean, even even leaving the Sir Martin story aside, mm -hmm. which is hard to do, um, it's been an interesting year so far for WBB PR agencies. Obviously, the merger yeah. of Burson and Conan yeah. Wolf. Um, Burson was probably the most analogous firm to, to Hill and Knowlton in terms of its history and profile and, and um, historic emphasis on corporate and public affairs. Um, and then the, um, the events at Ogilvy a couple of weeks ago with the refounding of the right. company and right. the uh, absorption of PR into an integrated yeah. offer. Yeah. Um, I assume you've been following those quite oh, sure. closely. Are there yeah. any, any lessons from that for well, I think I think the direction Ogilvy's been on for the last year or so, if they've gone through their own transformation, I think you, I saw signs uh, for a while now that they wanted to pull the PR component back into the main company. And uh, I think that's worked for them, um, for the most part. I think Stuart Smith, who was uh, a key player in the PR sector, has the skill set to uh, uh, have a fairly broad platform in terms of being able to uh, fit into the advertising world as well as the public relations world. He, he's an exceptional talent. Uh, and I think Chris Graves before him had the same DNA. So they've always had a little bit more of a bent uh, at Ogilvy PR towards the advertising space just because that was their DNA. And so it's not a big surprise to me. The Burson thing uh, honestly came as a bit of a surprise to me. Burson is, uh, three or four years ago, was very uh, similar to H&K, uh, very same footprint. Uh, we sort of took a fork in the road and started investing in other uh, aspects of the business, such as content and digital and social. and. We, our creative hub in London uh, is a good example of that. Uh, our content shop, uh, SJR, is another good example of that. So I feel like that we began to change our model uh, a little more than Burson did several years ago. That's not to say there was anything particularly wrong with Burson. I think that Martin, in one of the last uh, uh, things he did was uh, decided that those two agencies ought to go together and 
I think time will tell how that works out. They're both um, highly um, appreciated assets at WPP, and they've got great teams in each company. And uh, now they've got the challenge of trying to put it together. Um, talking about the, the, the changes that you've made over the last few years, the content studio in London, SJR, um, do, you, do you feel like um, you've moved fast enough over the last few years, or do you think you've moved fast and you're not getting credit for it? Uh, well, I, I, first of all, I, I'm awfully hard on myself. I always feel like I'm not moving fast enough, and I've been that way for you know almost all of my 64 years. Um, I, I, do, I do think sometimes we don't get enough credit for the, for the uh, successes we've had in, in changing our model, but I also think that's our own fault. Um, I come to this with a particular point of view that I uh, uh, think that, it, that this type of business is about attraction and not promotion, where I think you have to go do really good work and then you'll get your clients to pay attention to you. We're in a world right now where there's a whole lot of people uh, trying to get attention for new ideas and, and uh, change and, and uh, um, insurgency type activities. and so. I think that uh, we could probably do a little better job of telling our story, and I put that on my responsibility, my my own shoulders. Do you feel like there's um, there's still a fairly sharp division between the Group SJR content business that you bought and the sort of legacy Hill and Alton business, or are those two things merging and integrating and, and well, complementing? They're, they're both they're both really good. The the SJR business that we bought uh, is an exceptional business. It it's unique. Uh, they've had great success uh, since they came and joined us at Hill and Knowlton four years ago. Now this is the fifth year, so there will always be a uniqueness to that. And I think we have to be very careful not to try to take that away from them. At the on the at the same time, uh, Alex. Uh, Judkowitz, who's the leader of SJR, um, is is uh, had um, an interest in playing a broader role, and we've welcomed that. And so he's got a job right now as the head of Hill and Knowlton USA, and uh, he's done a good job with that. He he's melded those two cultures together, I think, pretty well. I think that it really boils down to where where it impacts clients, and I think we've had some good success in clients. Uh, where we've been able to combine H&K and SJR together for pitches and for work they're doing together. Uh, it's not to say that SJR doesn't have its own unique set of clients, which I'm delighted about because they're part of Hill and Knowlton. Uh, but I also think that what we've also done, and, and we've benefited from learning from SJR and its content offer, we've opened up an SJR operation in Canada that's headed by a former Hill and Knowlton employee. Uh, and that's been a great success. We also have taken the content model and used it in other places. So it's a it's an asset that we've all benefited from and learned from. Uh, it's it's a as you look at Hill and Knowlton though in the global sense, um, it is an integral part of what we're doing going forward. But it's not the only part. It did it did seem to me um, interesting that. When Hill and Alton and Public Strategies came together, um, the the integration 
at least from my perspective outside the company, seemed almost instantaneous. But I think the first time I walked into a meeting yeah. um, with, with you guys after that, there were sort of 15 people in the room and it was almost a 50-50 split. There right. were maybe eight public strategies folks right. and seven Illinois folks and the other way around. But it, it became one team very quickly. Now obviously, those were two companies that yeah. were already earned, owned right. by WPP right. and you right. didn't have to deal with earnouts. And but well, was it the, easier? It, well, I, you know, it might have been because of my particular vantage point. I mean, I had been the founder and the chairman of public strategies and then I became the head of Hill and Knowlton. And that makes it a little easier to integrate things when you're the boss of both entities. But I think also the thing, the difference is I think that uh, SJR, when they came to Hill and Knowlton, we were at the beginning of a five-year earnout, and that automatically puts up some barriers to to integration. Not bad ones, but it just it's obvious that they're there. Whereas when Public Strategies joined Hill and Knowlton, we had just finished our earnout, and so there was a little bit more flexibility. I'll say that uh, the DNA of, of um, public strategies almost immediately became an integral part of Hill and Knowlton. So today, when you look around Hill and Knowlton, there's a lot of uh, senior talent at Hill and Knowlton that came from that PSI platform. Aaron Gentry, who's the U.S. president of H&K, is a PSI alum, um, Meredith Marks, who uh, serves as our global uh, general counsel, is a PSI alum. And so there's a lot of that that happened very well, but we're now talking about seven years after the fact. So uh, I think that um, um, we'll, we'll, you know, more, more will be revealed about uh, those types of integration in the long term. I think we have the same issue in London. Uh, where in London we created from uh, start a new offer. It's a creative center in London. They operate in effect as the creative hub for most of the company outside of the U.S. So we've been able to transport that to China. We've been able to use that and particularly with other clients all over Europe. And we're going to continue to do that. Um, but I, again, from, from an outside yeah, perspective, yeah. London and, and the EMEA region generally um, seems to be better integrated, yeah, better knit but it, together. But it took and, a while. You know, it, we've, it, we've given them, I think, our EMEA Consultancy of the Year award two out of the last three years. And, and we're and very proud of that. One in Amsterdam. Um, they just seem to have clicked or be firing on all cylinders. Or well, but you got to look at the history of that. I mean, you got we got two great leaders there. we got Lars Eric, who's uh, been, who when I came on board at Hill & Knowlton, uh, seven years ago was in some sort of negotiation with WPP about buying his company back and I quickly talked him out of that and gave him a regional role and Richard Miller was uh, not running the London he was running the London office at the time but didn't have an EMEA role so the first thing we did is I took the region split it in two and gave each of them a role in it to see how they could collaborate and how they'd work together so what you're seeing now in terms of the spirit of cooperation between the two of them, um, they worked at that very hard and they each went into it with the understanding that they had a deep appreciation for the other and therefore uh, it's, it's after you know several years of that it's been a huge success. Was there, um, when you saw Bursa Marstella and the Cone Wolf, which obviously you know, gives Bursa Marstella a consumer marketing 
yeah. powerhouse engine yeah. that it didn't have before. And a very good one. Um, and Ogilvy, which is a play to go after integrated marketing. Did that make you pause at all about the direction that Hill and Alton was going? Either to say, you know, we should go in on all, all in on marketing, PR, and consumer because that's obviously where the future is for WVP agencies, or to say, you know, maybe we should seek when everybody else is zagging and go double down on our corporate expertise. Or do you think there's a, or, or did you just say, well, no. that's nice for them, but we're on the right path already? Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I. I watched it with interest, and it it does bring to it does make the point that in the uh, Marcom sector, um, that Conan Wolf was the best in WPP, and so now you have that asset there, um, and and I I would argue that Public Strategies was the best at what it did, and we had that asset that was brought to Hill and Knowlton. I don't think that you ought to look at it in the context of well, all you have to do going forward for Hill and Knowlton is another combination. I, I think that what we need to do is we've always been uh, weaker in Marcoms than I'd like to be. And, but I think that in the last uh, year or so, we've made some great strides in that. Uh, we've increased our Procter & Gamble work. We've increased other clients. Uh, and I think you can look for us to make investments in that going forward, uh, but not necessarily of other companies. I'd rather see us invest in talent. And also we have the added advantage of when there's cases where we've got a client that we need that expertise, there's nothing in the world wrong with reaching over to Conan Wolf and asking them to partner with us. I mean, we have the best of both worlds. We've got the best Marcom shop in the world right across the street at WPP and there's not a, a thing wrong with, uh, with uh, d doing projects together. Um, talk about the talent. For a second, yeah. because I, again, Hill and Alton has had a history of recruiting or yeah. buying or naming a CEO superstars from the public affairs realm in yeah. particular. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I go back to the days of Bob Gray and, right. and some of the folks, uh, Frank Mankiewicz um, in that Washington, D.C. office. Um, you know, the, the current leader of the firm, yourself, obviously, comes yeah. out of a, a political public affairs background. Have you found it difficult to recruit superstars from the consumer marketing space? Or, or do you think we, again, it's you're, 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 the people you have in that space are underappreciated or undervalued? Well, I, th I think we don't have enough of them is the problem. And so I think we need to add some talent. The people we have in Marcoms are excellent uh, in New York, all over the world. I mean, our, our head of Marcoms in New York is world class. Our global head of Marcoms uh, runs our P&G relationship. She's world class. I think, though, the answer to your question about public affairs, you know, public strategies, when I started it 30 years ago uh, uh, this year, um, really started off with a, a it, was, it was sort of crazy. I, didn't do, I admit to now that I really didn't know what I was doing. We had some political work, we had public affairs work, and over time we built a firm. And we clearly were one of the forerunners in what we now call public affairs. But over time we also began to do as more corporate advisory work than we did anything else. So coming into this, I came into it with the perception, I think, that I was going to be too heavily tilted to public affairs or even to politics. And, you know, ironically, if you look at what I've done at Hill and Knowlton, it's been almost the opposite direction. It's the creative shop in London. It's 
It's uh, talking Alex Judkowitz into joining us at SJR. Uh, there are some today that think I've, I've, I've paid too little attention to public affairs. I, you won't get me back in politics. I, I, that's, I was in that 40 years ago was my first political endeavor, and I have no interest in in returning to partisan politics. Oh, I mean, I think when when you when you took over Hill and Alton, I think there were probably three things that, that people said. He's not global, right? right. He, he's only had domestic U.S. experience, um, a little bit of Mexico, but, yeah. but 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 he's not global. He's not a consumer guy. Um, yeah. He's not a digital guy. Well, when and, I first took over Hill and Alton, what you just meant, those were the kindest things people said. That was, that was the best that was said. What they really said was, who's this cowboy from Texas who doesn't know anything about the world who's going to try to run Hill and Knowlton? And so it took a while, as you know, because we crossed paths a lot. I spent the first 18 months traveling all over the world in every corner of this company to learn uh, what was going on. And um, I, 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 I admit to being a Texan, but I don't admit to being a dumb Texan. So. Uh, I, in fact, I don't think there are dumb Texans. So I think uh, I had a steep learning curve, and the people at Hill and Knowlton helped me um, to help me accomplish that. And and um, I, I quickly kind of grasped what my vision was for a global company. And I'm proud of the fact now that I spend more time uh, traveling than I do anything else. And so it's been a fascinating journey for me personally, also because. You know, I'm a kid who grew up as a, uh, with a bunch of family that were cowboys and farmers, and my dad was a firefighter, and my first airplane ride was 19 years old. So to be sitting here in Cannes, France, describing to you how the last five or some years, five or six years, I've become some sort of global uh, resource is a little bit, I have to pinch myself a little bit. And uh, I, I, I got to go back to Texas from time to time to make sure I don't forget where I came from. I don't think there's much danger of that yeah, yeah. for you or anybody else. Yeah. So you haven't lost any of the accent. No, I hadn't lost the accent. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I just, I've, I've got this saying I liked, and it, you know, what kind of person are you when nobody's looking? And that's really how I've lived my life. So I'm, there's not anything about that that it makes me try to hide who I am. A funny story was one night when I first took over in London, uh, they had a dinner one night that I participated in, and some smart aleck gave me a guidebook to london which was really meant to say you have no idea what you're doing here and um and they they gave me a present and it was fairly large present and so as i was leaving i asked them to deliver it to me and i and i gave them the address to deliver it uh, which i recall was 221b baker street and about 10 minutes after i left they all realized i had given them the address of sherlock holmes so I think that at least that group thought that they, they may, might be dealing with a little more than a dumb Texan. So what's next? Anything exciting in the next, uh, next year? Well, or we, so have a, yeah, we have a lot going on. We, 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 you know, I loved, as you know, the first time we talked about this, I love to tinker with our model. We're going to expand on what we're doing. We, we have roughly $350 million in revenue, so about $100 million of it is coming from these new initiatives, such as London and SJR. So I'd like to see us continue to do that. Um, I, also, I also would like to see us keep things really simple, because I think, for, you know, as I look here at Cannes and I see all the coverage of it and 
everybody's involved in a um, uh, resurgence or everybody's involved in some sort of change of their model. Uh, I, I think I, I go back to the. I, I want to get real simple about where we are. I think there's three things that really matter. One of them is the public, and the other one is our clients, and the other one is our employees, and they all are tied for first place with me. And if you remember, the first time we talked about this, probably 20 or 25 years ago, I had a notion even then that public had to be involved in. At the time, what we were doing was public affairs, and I think now. Uh, I think as I look at these clients and I see these employees, particularly our younger employees, they don't really care what's going on in holding companies or who's starting one, and they don't really care uh, who claims they've just reinvented themselves after 12 months. They want to know, are you giving us good advice about the public, do you understand the public, and do you have the right talent? And I, I think what's next for us is to keep that real simple framework uh, going forward in terms of everything we do. If you think about it, everything that we face as a challenge fits into one of those three areas. And so my focus has been for some time now on clients. I think, I think these clients know that they're in a world of, of upheaval. And I don't necessarily think they want their um, uh, agencies to be in a, a, a period of upheaval, but I think they know the world's in a period of upheaval, and I think they want us to give them our best advice. Now that, you know, when you give people best advice about the public, that speaks to data, and that speaks to insights, and that speaks to all the things we're hearing about now that are big parts of the future. I worry a little bit about a lot of these um, uh, offers that I see talked about as the hottest new thing if you bundled all that stuff up I worry that about 50% of it is a waste of money the problem you have is that nobody can tell you which 50% so I think it, it, the last thing I'll say is if you want to see if you want to watch somebody that does this right you, you got a front row seat to watch what happens next because Randall Stevenson at AT&T has just closed that deal with Time Warner, which he's now calling Turner Media. And he's announced publicly, he said publicly, I saw him the other day on CNN, CNBC, that they're now going to make acquisitions in that, in that space, in that Turner Media entertainment space. If you want to see how to do it right, watch Randall Stevenson. He's, he's, he, he, that DNA of that company is making smart acquisitions. Uh, they've done it since they were in St. Louis with Southwestern Bell. Randall just pulled off the biggest acquisition and took the biggest gamble uh, of, of, of almost any CEO I've seen. And now watch what he does next. His, his strategy and his discipline and his knowledge of this is going to teach everybody, I believe, how to do it. And I think you, you won't see him make many wrong moves, but I think you will see him enter this space that we're talking about as far as the, the, the future platforms, but I think you're going to, I think everybody can go to school on how he does it because it's going to be with more sophistication than almost anybody else. Well, it'll be interesting to watch. So yeah. AT&T is a company with a rich heritage in public relations going back to Arthur Page and, That's right. and, and more recently Marilyn Laurie and some real giants of our industry. Um, they're 
um, I guess, a media company now. Yeah. Makes them very, yeah. very interesting to us. That's good. But they're a media company, but at the same time, uh, everybody that in the future going forward that has anything to do with gaining information for the most part is going to have this I'm holding in my hand an AT&T iPhone 10 and everybody is going to start with this platform or maybe an iPad or something like it so you think about the brilliance of what they've just done because they're in both places uh, so I, th I think that's going to be the story to watch interesting times all right thank you thank you Jack I thank really you all right it. thanks great to see you You've been listening to The Echo Chamber. Brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by Marketeers. Sponsored by The Bullet Group, putting you in tomorrow's conversations today.